This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, the business station. Good afternoon and welcome to Health and Living with me, T. Shaweek, and my co-host for the Doctor in the House segment, Dr. George Lee, consultant urologist. George, how are you today? I'm very good. Looking forward to a very exciting subject today. Exciting. It's, yeah. it's, it's, um, to me, it's alarming. Um, in in a, in a way, and I'm sure our guest will will explain more as well. But also interesting because it's something for me at least. We hear people mention it, mm-hmm. um, but only in sort of a yeah, and then they brush it off. Kind a of touch way. off. Yes, that's right. A touch off. And uh, I think what we're going to find out today is um, how seriously do we need to be taking this? And we're yes. talking about fatty liver. Um, so. All around us, we hear all this talk and all these messages about how, you know, an unhealthy lifestyle, basically, which includes an unhealthy diet, is bad for us. Um, But, um, you know, we usually think of it in terms of obesity. (laughs) We think of it in terms of um, heart disease. Uh, But another organ that can be badly affected is the liver. And it can lead to a condition called fatty liver. Mm-hmm. So joining us on the show today, consultant gastroenterologist and hepatologist, Professor Chan Wah Kyung. And we'll be talking to him about fatty liver disease and its increasing significance in the development of liver cancer. Prof Chan, thank you so much for joining us on the show. How are you? I'm good, thank you. Uh, thank you very much for having me on the show, uh, Shawi uh, and uh, George. So to start with, I suppose, what exactly is fatty liver? Well, as its name implies, uh, fatty liver is a condition that's characterized by excess accumulation of fat uh, in the liver. Uh, And two of the most uh, common causes of fatty liver uh, include uh, alcohol, uh, as well as uh, what we call non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. Uh, The majority of cases of non-alcoholic fatty liver disease is related to uh, overweight and obesity, uh, as you have mentioned earlier. How common is fatty liver? Because we hear this all the time. It is very common. Uh, in fact, uh, a study that was uh, conducted quite a while ago uh, found that uh, one in four adult Malaysians uh, has fatty liver. And uh, another study that was more recent uh, found that as many as one in three adult Malaysians uh, has fatty liver disease. Okay, one in three is very, very common. <laughs> Indeed. That's more common than diabetes. I think the commonly cited statistic for diabetes is one in five. That's correct. All right. So um, we should all be alarmed, a lot more alarmed than I think we are right now. But but I, I want to come back to how you linked obesity and overweight to the development of non-alcoholic fatty liver. But I'm still not getting it. What is the link? How, uh, how does overeating basically um, lead to this condition? Yes, to put it in simple, uh, in a simple manner, uh, when, when we eat, the food provides us with energy, uh, and this energy is used for processes in the body and for physical activity. Uh, however, when there's excess of energy, we store in the body as fat. So in the overweight or obese state, uh, there's excess fat accumulation, and that leads to a, a condition called insulin resistance. So insulin resistance, uh, one of its uh, key, uh, insulin, one of its key role is really to help move uh, sugar uh, from the uh, food that's digested and uh, the nutrient that's absorbed is to move sugar uh, into cells. And when there's insulin resistance, uh, this process does not occur effectively. So there'll be excess sugar in the blood circulation. 
Uh, and this leads to uh, what we know as diabetes. And the high uh, glucose level can cause uh, damage to different organs in the body, including the liver. Another role of uh, insulin is really to uh, prevent breakdown uh, of uh, fat that is stored in the body. But with insulin resistance, uh, this uh, process uh, does not uh, occur effectively. So uh, the uh, fat will be broken down and fatty acid will spill into the blood circulation mm. liver. So in a way, uh, in the overweight or obese state, it's a way, insulin resistance is a way for the cell to say, you know, we have too much of sugar, we don't need it. Okay, and more sugar will be in the circulation. We don't need that much of fat and fat will spill as fatty acid into the circulation and all these end up in the liver and the liver handles it by partly converting it into fat and storing uh, the fat in the liver. Mm. I, I always assume fatty liver is just because of cholesterol elevation, but this is the first time I link glucose with fatty liver. Does that mean every single diabetic patient will have some degree of fatty liver? Correct. So, uh, but uh, we have uh, done studies and found that, in fact, uh, as uh, high as 70 to 80% of patients with diabetes has uh, clinically detectable fatty liver. Uh, whereas, uh, I'm sure those uh, who were not found to have clinically detected fatty liver, they have some degree of fatty liver, just that it's not up to the level that is considered as diagnostic of fatty liver disease. I'm so alarmed right now because, you know, we're talking about it being um, almost directly linked with overweight and obesity. We know that is um, very high and increasing in prevalence among Malaysians as well. So this is a serious trend um, for us to be taking note of, right, Prof? Yes, you're absolutely right. In fact, uh, the prevalence uh, or the frequency of overweight and obesity in Malaysia has increased uh, dramatically over the years. And the latest estimate in 2019, uh, what we call the National Health and Mobility Survey, which is a study on uh, diseases uh, in the country, found that over 50% of adult Malaysians are either overweight or obese. That is certainly a very alarming rate. Prof and, and you're also right to point out that fatty liver is closely associated uh, uh, with uh, overweight and obesity. In fact, it's considered as the liver manifestation of what we call the metabolic syndrome. Uh, metabolic syndrome uh, essentially is a constellation of risk factors for cardiovascular disease. Uh, and along with it comes uh, things like diabetes, high blood pressure, high cholesterol, uh, as well as central or visceral adiposity. And uh, that causes an increased rate of cardiovascular disease uh, in the country as well. Joey, mm -hmm. I would like to go back to what Prof said earlier. Is it clinically detectable fatty liver? Can you elaborate a little bit for the benefit of the listeners out there? What does that mean? Okay, so there are actually many ways uh, to diagnose fatty liver. Uh, the most common way is actually based on ultrasonography. Uh, and essentially, ultrasonography uh, will, you uh, can see that the liver has uh, increased echo. It looks bright. We don't see the vessel pattern very clearly. And we don't see further deep in very clearly when there's a lot of fat in the liver. So uh, fatty liver uh, can be easily detected by ultrasonography, especially if it's moderate and severe. However, milder fatty liver may be missed by ultrasound. And uh, in fact, the gold standard for diagnosis of fatty liver is really uh, by doing a liver biopsy, uh, but we hardly do that uh, because uh, it's an invasive procedure. And by definition, uh, fatty liver is considered as presence, present when uh, more than 5% uh, of the liver biopsy sample consists uh, of fat globules. 
So, mm. but we hardly do a biopsy for diagnosis of fatty liver because uh, it's an invasive procedure associated uh, with some risk uh, of serious complications. So most of the time is diagnosed, as mentioned earlier, by ultrasonography. Uh, another way that fatty liver is diagnosed is usually by a blood test. Patient may go for a routine blood test uh, and notice that there's actually elevated uh, what we call serum liver enzymes, uh, specific specifically the alanine aminotransferase and the aspartate aminotransferase, and that will lead to a battery of tests to look for the cause. And uh, a lot of time uh, we uh, would diagnose uh, fatty liver that way. Of course, there are also other causes of chronic liver disease, uh, which can cause uh, elevation of these enzymes. Mm, but but coming back to George's point, right? Um, you you've talked about gold standard for diagnosis, but I guess in terms of a more population wide screening, um, the the routine blood test is that sensitive enough? Okay, so uh, when we talk about population screening, uh, well, we really need to consider uh, whether is. Uh, uh, cost-effective uh, and whether it is really uh, uh, necessary to do it uh, compared to a lot of other conditions uh, that we are dealing with. Uh, fatty liver, as uh, we know, is very common uh, and we know uh, is a result of uh, uh, poor dietary choices as well as a very sedentary lifestyle. Uh, in fact, uh, uh, we, I feel that uh, it's important that uh, we actually uh, uh, try to uh, encourage people uh, to have uh, better dietary choices and to be more active uh, and to try to maintain uh, a healthy body weight. Uh, that will not only help us in the fight against fatty liver, but as well as against a lot of other non-communicable diseases, uh, uh, such as diabetes, hypertension, uh, high cholesterol and cardiovascular disease. Mm-hmm. Prof Chan, I want to be a devil's advocate here. Yeah. So, Early on, you highlighted that maybe one in four or one in three populations out there has got uh, fatty liver. You also pointed out that 70% of diabetic patients has got fatty liver. Are we over-diagnosing? Do you think this is just a variation of a norm? Uh, well, for a long, long time, uh, people have thought that fatty liver is a benign condition. Uh, but uh, now we clearly know that it is not. Uh, we know that patients with fatty liver... Uh, can progress to develop uh, scarring or fibrosis in the liver. Mm. So develop uh, what we call cirrhosis or hardening of the liver, which can eventually lead to liver failure. And uh, in fact, patients uh, with fatty liver, especially in the presence of cirrhosis or hardening of the liver, are at increased risk of uh, liver cancer. Wow. Uh, cancer as a result of fatty liver is becoming increasingly common. Uh, and we are seeing uh, more and more of our liver cancer patients uh, uh, having a fatty liver as the underlying cause uh, rather than other causes of chronic liver disease, diseases such as uh, hepatitis B and C in the past. Hmm. So at what point do you tend to see um, patients with fatty liver? Right? Is it very widespread? Um, what can you do in some, when you diagnose or when they are referred to you? Yes. So uh, uh, as we know, fatty liver disease is very common uh, and uh, uh, personally, I feel that uh, it's important that uh, the primary care doctors as well as endocrinologists uh, who see patients with diabetes uh, continue to see a uh, patient uh, with fatty liver as well. Uh, and those patients with more severe fatty liver disease are the ones uh, who needs to be referred uh, for uh, specialist care, uh, for example, by gastroenterologists and hepatologists. Otherwise, uh, we, will, uh, we will be overwhelmed. Uh, by the number of patients with fatty, fatty mm. liver disease yeah. that we As now George said. Mm. Yeah. 
Furthermore, uh, we know currently the mainstay of uh, management of fatty liver disease is really to lifestyle modification, uh, which can and should be carried out uh, by, by the primary care doctor as well as our endocrinology colleague. So when when damage is more widespread, if there's cirrhosis, that scarring, and you're concerned by that point uh, about liver cancer, I'm sure, then what can be done? Yes, that's actually a very, very good question. Uh, so in fact, uh, in studies that uh, we have done, uh, we found that uh, patients with diabetes, uh, they are more likely to have a more severe liver disease. Mm. We know, uh, fatty liver disease is very common among patients with diabetes, uh, and we also know that patients with diabetes are more likely to have more severe liver disease. This is also why in the latest uh, clinical practice guideline on type 2 diabetes mellitus in Malaysia, uh, there's an, a section on fatty liver disease. It has been included for the very first time uh, so that uh, doctors who manage patients with diabetes uh, would do simple blood tests uh, to actually uh, identify patients who have more severe liver disease so that they can be referred uh, to a specialist uh, for further assessment. We'll go for a quick break, but stay with us because we are continuing the conversation about fatty liver and how it is part of the bigger problem of metabolic syndrome, one of the most significant problems uh, when it comes to non-communicable diseases in Malaysia, and also how fatty liver is increasingly contributing to the development of liver cancer. So uh, my co-host in the studio with me, consultant urologist Dr. George Lee, and we're speaking to Prof Chan Wa Kiong, consultant gastroenterologist and hepatologist about this issue. So stay tuned to Health and Living BFM 89.9. Welcome back to Health and Living with me, T. Xiao Ik, and my co-host for the Doctor in House segment, Dr. George Lee. We're speaking uh, to Prof. Chan Wa Kiong, consultant gastroenterologist and hepatologist over Zoom today about um, non-alcoholic fatty liver, a very common condition uh, primarily linked to um, people who are obese or overweight, um, basically caused by an excess of fat um, largely contributed by the diet uh, and a sedentary lifestyle uh, and these fat deposits then accumulate in the liver and this can lead to many other problems down the line if nothing is done to um, reverse or arrest uh, the development and the progression of fatty liver. Prof Chan, um, one of the things that I learned from medical school actually is that the liver cells are very resilient and very forgiving. You know, that's the reason why we can take a chunk of the liver and then give, donate it away and then the liver will regenerate. How reversible is fatty liver? And also, um, how is there a point of no return that, you know, the liver is no longer that forgiving? Yes, that's a very good question. So the more severe the liver disease is, for example, uh, if the patient has cirrhosis or uh, cirrhosis and there is already, the liver is already starting to fail, then it's much more difficult to reverse. Uh, but if we were to detect fatty liver at an early stage uh, where there's no scarring or just very mild scarring, uh, lifestyle change, uh, uh, healthier dietary habit, uh, more active uh, uh, physically and losing some weight can in fact uh, cause fatty liver to go away completely uh, and uh, inflammation in the liver can resolve, uh, scarring can also improve. Well, although the liver has a very high capacity to re re regenerate and recover, uh, as long as the insult is continuous, for example, in fatty liver disease, after all, it's a lifestyle problem, 
so if nothing is done to change that, the inflammation will persist and the injury will continue to take place and the scarring will continue to develop. So it's very important to go on lifestyle change uh, and to lose some weight uh, and fatty liver can actually improve and in fact go away. Mm, shall we? I'm, I'm getting interested now. It's because obviously, you know, I have a fatty liver diagnosis like one in three and one in four of general population here. My interest is that I would like to find out how long will it take for my liver to recover if I really am a bit stringent on the alcohol and the fatty food and also exercise. You know, will, when will the, we see any impact of the recovery? Okay, so uh, if a person go on a healthy diet and uh, start exercising and is able to lose some weight, we can see improvement and even normalization of the liver enzymes, uh, which are markers of inflammation in the liver, as early as one to three months. Mm. Of course, a scarring will take a longer time uh, to improve, uh, but uh, the uh, degree of fat and inflammation can actually resolve within a pretty quick uh, uh, time. That's actually pretty amazing. Um, but you mentioned earlier that for the first time now, management and uh, sort of monitoring of fatty liver diseases is now included in the management of type 2 diabetes. I, I just wanted to clarify, is that similar to how uh, monitoring of um, kidney disease uh, would be done for people with diabetes as well? Yes, uh, very similar. So this concept came about because... Uh, you know, we are trying to uh, uh, diagnose more patients with more severe uh, fatty liver disease. We know it's very common, uh, but only a small proportion of patients has more severe liver disease. But that small proportion is still very significant. So instead of uh, reinventing the wheel, we know that for patients with diabetes, there's already a system in uh, helping to look for complications. And that's why uh, we have thought that we would uh, try to include assessment of the liver as, as part of uh, the assessment of patients with diabetes. But, you know, we're talking about this unholy grouping of conditions, diabetes, um, fatty liver and liver damage, potentially causing a significant proportion of liver cancer. We're talking about kidney issues, whatever else complications that tend to come with diabetes, right? I mean, how dire is it for the patients you see? Okay, so uh, certainly it's uh, very important to pick up patients with uh, advanced uh, liver disease because uh, these patients do not have uh, any symptoms. So unless uh, we look for them, uh, they will not be diagnosed and they will only present much later when their liver start to fail, when they have developed liver cancer, other complications uh, of cirrhosis. So uh, that's why uh, among patients with diabetes, those uh, with simple blood tests, if we can identify that they may have more severe liver disease, and they are referred uh, for further assessment, we can actually diagnose uh, the uh, cirrhosis uh, earlier. And uh, when we diagnose cirrhosis, we will put them on what we call liver cancer surveillance. Mm. Liver cancer also do not have symptoms at early stages where they are potentially curable. So, uh, and we know patients with cirrhosis are at a much higher risk of getting liver cancer. So we put them on liver cancer surveillance. We, we perform tests like ultrasound uh, and a marker for a liver cancer. Uh, on a regular interval, for example, every six months. And in case we detect a lesion, we can further assess and we can diagnose liver cancer at earlier stage uh, where uh, it's potentially curable. Mm -hmm. If, uh, I mean, if we do not diagnose at an early stage, by the time the patient has symptoms, uh, the liver cancer is often very late and all we can offer would be a palliative treatment. Mm. 
Prashant, I'm sure you get asked this question all the time. Of course, the difficult uh, decision or difficult journey of uh, lifestyle changes and everything is the key to reverse um, fatty liver. However, many people would ask you, is there any supplement or medication that you can take to help you to slow down that deterioration of fatty liver? Is there such a thing? Supplements especially. That's right, yeah, because I would think that on the other hand, the supplement itself can make the liver worse because I would imagine that the liver have more uh, metabolism to go through and actually have more burden, right? So can you kind of like debunk that myth? Is there such a thing as supplement helping to regenerate uh, more liver cells and can too much supplement be too harmful? Well, uh, certainly too much of supplement uh, will uh, burden the uh, body uh, to process them. Uh, and uh, you are right, there are actually a lot of supplements in the market for various indications, including uh, for the liver, uh, specifically for fatty liver. Uh, however, uh, well, these, these supplements uh, do not have very strong evidence. Uh, there may be some theoretical basis on how it may work. There may be some small studies uh, showing that it may potentially be useful. Uh, but the fact is that, uh, you know, the evidence is not strong and that is why uh, it is not an approved uh, treatment for the condition. Uh, so overall, uh, uh, patients can discuss with their doctors whether if it's worthwhile uh, to have a certain supplement for their liver. Uh, but I think uh, we must not lose uh, sight of the uh, main uh, reason a person has fatty liver. Uh, as you rightly pointed out, it could be alcohol, it could be being uh, overweight or obese uh, through uh, uh uh, diet, uh, as well as a lack of uh, exercise, and all these uh, need to be uh, addressed. Uh, so the, what I'm concerned is uh, sometimes uh, uh, when a person is taking some supplements, they feel that it is all right and they do not uh, make any changes. Uh, and uh, of course, uh, that would not uh, result in improvement of the liver condition. But you know, um, you I, I know you've mentioned repeatedly the importance of the lifestyle modifications, but that's actually the most difficult mm-hmm. thing for people to do, um, that they resist or find very, very um, challenging, maybe because of environmental um, factors or that they don't have guidance. Um, how do you motivate patients? Yes, uh, I totally agree with you. It is certainly a, a very challenging and, and difficult uh, situation uh, for the patient. Uh, a lot of time when a, do- a doctor diagnoses fatty liver, we put the responsibility on the patient. Uh, and, you know, uh, there may be a lot of issues uh, like uh, environmental issues, uh, social economic issues, uh, the, the uh, food industry and so on. All this can have an uh, impact on a person's dietary choices as well as uh, the person uh, being able to be uh, exercising and so on. Uh, But I think the important thing is to uh, have a conversation with the patient uh, and make them uh, be aware of the uh, condition that they have and the the potential uh, complication that can arise uh, if they do not uh, make a change. Uh, hopefully that can actually motivate them. A lot of times, uh, if, if they go on a diet change and exercise and lose a bit of weight and they see improvement in their uh, liver tests, uh, that also will serve as a motivation for them to continue their effort. I think that conversation prof- is important uh, because we see a lot of patients every day. Sometimes uh, we may not spend enough time uh, talking to them. Uh, and I think uh, 
uh, engaging them, uh, educating them and empowering them is uh, very important. Prof, while patients are themselves trying to improve their lifestyle, um, as you highlighted that the diagnosis of fatty liver actually is a imaging diagnosis, a lab investigation, how do they know whether they are making progress when they are having their lifestyle changes? I mean, is there any symptoms that people get apart from tiredness, um, you know, when they have severe uh, fatty liver and what sort of like uh, things that can they watch out for if they continue to improve their lifestyle, uh, if they would like to know whether their fatty liver is heading, heading the right direction in recovery? Okay, so uh, the, for uh, monitoring of uh, uh, intervention uh, following, uh, for example, lifestyle change, we can look at uh, uh, different things. One is the uh, liver enzymes. It's a blood test. Uh, patients who have gone on lifestyle change, uh, if there's improvement in the fatty liver, we would ex expect improvement in the liver enzymes uh, and even normalization. Uh, but as we have discussed earlier, uh, it's not only about the liver. Uh, in uh, overweight and obesity, there's also probably other metabolic syndrome. So uh, patients who are on the right track uh, may also uh, see improvement in their sugar control if they have diabetes. Uh, their cholesterol will be better controlled. Uh, and in fact, they may see uh, improvement in the blood pressure as well. And overall, in the long term, that actually can reduce their risk of cardiovascular disease. So all this will serve as a motivation uh, for the patient. But But like I've mentioned earlier, the conversation uh, must take place uh, and uh, we have to continue to encourage uh, our patient. And hopefully in, in time to come, we will have uh, uh, locally, we will have uh, some patient support group uh, and there will be more sharing and more awareness uh, so that everybody can uh, adopt a healthier lifestyle uh, to prevent all these uh, what we call non-communicable uh, diseases. Mm, tough one, right? We've been talking about it for so long. Can glucose, can improvements in glucose control be used as a proxy that um, the fatty liver is improving? Uh, yes, certainly. So in our patients who has got a lot of inflammation uh, going on in the liver, uh, they often also have uh, diabetes, uh, which is not well controlled. So uh, when they go on a lifestyle change, uh, uh, we expect, uh, and, and the glucose improve, uh, the liver enzymes usually will improve uh, together. Um, liver, fatty liver among younger people and children, is that, uh, is that a trend that you're seeing? Uh, yes, uh, certainly. So I've got colleagues here in uh, pediatrics. Uh, they are seeing more and more uh, children who are overweight and obese. And of course, uh, overweight or obese children grow up to be overweight and obese adult as well. Uh, and if they have fatty liver since a young age, especially if there's inflammation and scar develops, we may start seeing complications uh, in young uh, in, in adults uh, during the adulthood. Uh, in the past, uh, obesity sets in at an older age, and uh, you know fatty liver progresses. Fatty liver takes a long time to progress, so we may only see these complications at a much later stage in life. But when we start seeing fatty liver in children, uh, by the time they, they reach uh, adulthood, we may start seeing complications already by then. And it would be very sad, you know, at the peak of their uh, life, uh, uh, adulthood, uh, they start to have complications of, of this disease. Absolutely. What sort of complications are you referring to for children who develop into adulthood with liver problems? Okay, so uh, for fatty liver disease, as mentioned earlier, it can cause increased uh, scarring in the liver. 
uh, and eventually can cause cirrhosis or hardening of the liver. So when the liver is hardened, there are various complications that can set in. This include uh, build up in the blood pressure of the vessel that drains to the liver. That can cause a swelling of vessel in the uh, esophagus, uh, and that can actually rupture and bleed. So bleeding uh, varices uh, is a potential complications. Uh, patient with uh, advanced liver disease uh, may also have accumulation of fluid uh, in the body, uh, particularly in the abdomen area. Uh, we call that ascites. Uh, and uh, it can also affect kidney function. Uh, the liver is also important to clear toxins from the body. So a buildup of these toxins can cause confusion, uh, condition we call a hepatic encephalopathy. Uh, and of course, uh, patients with advanced liver disease are also at risk of developing liver cancer. Mm. Mm. Uh, how could we pick up fatty liver in children then, and young people? Okay, so uh, simple things would be uh, not, not only in children, but also in adults. Uh, Simple thing will be looking for uh, overweight or obesity, mm -hmm. uh, as well as uh, measuring the waist uh, circumference. So uh, an increased waist circumference would suggest uh, abdominal uh, fat, uh, which suggests that there may be uh, a fatty liver. Mm -hmm. Other ways would include a simple blood test looking at the sugar, cholesterol, uh, and blood pressure. So uh, if a person has uh, more abnormalities in all these parameters, then it's more likely that the person also has fatty liver. Mm. What changes would you like to see, Prof? Um, because I think where you're sitting as a gastroenterologist and hepatologist, um, you're dealing with patients perhaps um, with the more severe, uh, at the severe end, um, you know, you, you, there's a lot that sort of um, could be done in terms of prevention and early detection uh, outside of your specialty. Uh, what kind of changes would you like to see so that we can really nail down fatty liver and, and, and managing it? Oh, thank you for the question, uh, shall we? Uh, in fact, uh, I really hope to see that uh, uh, together as a society, we are more active in uh, dealing with uh, uh, overweight and obesity and all the metabolic syndrome that we have discussed earlier, including fatty liver. Uh, this would include uh, a more awareness campaign so people can uh, make a more active decision uh, on their lifestyle, uh, maintaining a healthy lifestyle to prevent onset of these diseases. I also hope that uh, uh, doctors who see patients uh, will talk to them uh, about uh, these conditions and to encourage them to adopt a healthier lifestyle. Uh, and uh, particularly patients uh, who are overweight, obese, or has uh, diabetes uh, to think about looking for more severe liver disease and to refer them accordingly. Ultimately, I hope that uh, we will see less and less uh, patients suffering from complications of advanced liver disease from fatty liver, uh, including uh, liver failure and liver cancer. Uh, and uh, I hope to see uh, whatever uh, I've mentioned earlier would uh, translate uh, to seeing less and less uh, patients coming in at very late stages. I would take that as um, as a final word from Prof Chan and from you, George, a final message. Well, I would like to see more people taking it more seriously. We started the show saying that people say, oh, I have a touch of fatty liver and everyone laugh about it. Everyone has a good giggle and then people just, uh, you know, forget about it. And, and they tend to say it before embarking on a huge feast with friends, That's right? right. Yeah, yeah, the same it? way you would say, oh, I had gout last week. And then, but, you know. 
after today's shows, I think there were two, three things that I was a bit surprised. Number one is I didn't realize that, um, you know, uh, fatty liver is so closely linked to diabetes. And then so therefore, a lot of diabetic patients just have uh, fatty liver, which is quite alarming, 70%. The second thing that I was a little bit alarmed about how serious fatty liver can get to, you know, to the extent of liver cirrhosis and hepatoma. And I think this cannot be um, underestimated. And one last thing is that we always assume that um, liver cells are so resilient and so forgiving. And I really think that so many years of neglect and also just undermining it, One day, your liver cells will no longer be that forgiving and then therefore you might face the end of the road when it comes to a liver. And also lastly, there's no medicine to help. So the only way to resolve this is the hard way, which is to stay healthy in totality mm-hmm. rather than just focusing on the liver. Yeah, because they, like I, I used the word unholy earlier, right? All of them are like this gang of um, unholy buddies, diabetes, um, fatty liver, kidney disease, you know, heart disease, um, as Prof Chan said, the metabolic syndrome. Uh, nothing is really going to escape if, if unfortunately, the unhealthy lifestyle continues. Mm-hmm. Um, a hard message, a hard one to swallow. But um, yeah, I think Prof Chan has said it enough times uh, in our show today to, to drive it home to us. Thank you so much for joining us on the show today, Prof Chan. We've been speaking to Prof Chan Wakyong, consultant, gastroenterologist and hepatologist. Joining me today as well, my co-host, Dr. George Lee, consultant, urologist. This has been Health and Living on BFM 89.9. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.